to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. I am Kayla, a professional triathlete, mom to two little boys, triathlon coach, and here with my awesome co-host, Aaron Oliphant, who is an elite amateur age group triathlete and junior coach at Where Your Feet Take You, amazing swim coach, and all of the things in between. We are here to answer your questions, talk triathlon, life, you know, anything, anything we need to. Before we dive into our questions and topics, um, remember that you can please send us your questions to www.wherefeettakeyou.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, if you could share your the podcast on your social media platforms, it just helps us to spread the word and get this guy out there so that maybe more people listen and provide questions. And yeah, we then provide you with the topics that you want to hear from us. So thanks everybody. And Aaron. How's your week been? I don't even, I, I think it's Monday. I've been walking around all day. I have been walking around all day telling, like, telling people that it was like Tuesday or Wednesday. So, I don't know. <laughs> How was your weekend? Oh, weekend was good. Didn't do a ton. Got to catch up with some friends. Um, got to relax a little bit, which is always good. And um, yeah, nothing. That's always a good super thing. Super exciting to report about about how about you oh the weekend truthfully my brain is really really full (laughs) i wonder why (laughs) i don't be very honest oh man i just feel like i have so much going on and i don't even know really where to begin with life right now um we have to have the house fully packed up by tomorrow because we leave at 5 a.m for um, Texas on Wednesday. And I just feel very overwhelmed with it all to be very, very honest. Um, we don't even have that much left to pack. I don't think I'm all we do. That's a lie. Um, but it's just a lot of like random stuff. And yeah, I just like, I even moved a meeting today. Cause I, I, like I wrote it and apologized and I was like, I just, I just can't. I am so, I just like, I over us under overestimated my stress that I have going on and just everything that we have to do for the next little bit of time frame that I just need some space to get it done today. So I have spent all afternoon getting myself packed, getting the boys packed, emptying the kitchen. I don't know. We still have a lot to do, but we're getting there. We will be, we will be done. Every time I've had to move, I always Maybe. feel like it's way more exhausting and way more time consuming than I expected it to be. And that's just for me as one person living in a one bedroom house or one bedroom apartment, not living in a multiple bedroom house and packing for children. So that has to be pretty exhausting. Yeah. I think it's the combination of knowing that I'm I'm packing for a big race, so I have to have the kids pack like the kids' clothes, my race stuff, my clothes packed through for sure Monday because we were gone Wednesday to Monday and we're down in Texas Wednesday to Monday, and then knowing that I'm not coming home, so I'm not going back to Spokane. I'm going straight to Arizona from there, and on top of that. My dad is flying up on Thursday here and picking up our my forerunner. 
And I have to make sure that everything is like set to the side and packed for him to be able to put into the forerunner so that he can drive that down and get it down to Arizona like this weekend. I don't know. And so I think it's just a lot. And then trying to train, get ahead on training peaks for athletes. Um, I don't know. My brain is just, woo, it is all over the place. Understandably so. But (laughs) Understandably so. But speaking of Ironman Texas, let's, I'm thinking we do a little bit of a preview for that since that's this weekend and you're racing in it. So how are you feeling? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I am feeling a lot better than I was about Oceanside. Very honest. Um, Besides like the stress, which I think once I leave on Wednesday, that will go that this this house stress will will go away until after when we have to get moved in. So once I get through this piece, that piece, I think will will go away and I can just focus on the race. Um, So a lot better about it. A lot more excited. Um, I put in two really, really good weeks after uh, Oceanside. Um, my body has been feeling a little bit stiff the last couple of days, um, but I saw my sports chiropractor here and he goes, Ooh, have you been stressed lately? <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> yes, I have. Thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. So I think he kind of helped flush some things out. And again, once we kind of get through this little bit of time frame, it'll be, yeah. So I'm excited. I love this race. I've, I've raced it. This will be the third time that I've raced Ironman Texas. Um, and yeah, so I raced back in 2018 where I qualified for Kona and then again last year. Um, and so what was that? 2022, what year are we? 2022. Um, so this be my third time down there. I, I keep coming back to this race. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great early season race because it's, um, you know, especially for those of us in the Pacific Northwest or just all over the United States this year where it seems like nobody besides Arizona has been able to be outside. And even then you guys have been cold, um, be outside. And so it's just a great, it's just a great early season race. So I'm really excited about it. I, um, I'm really looking forward to putting together, um, a really great full distance Ironman. I kind of feel like my last since Kona 2018, something has always happened for me before a, a race, like in 21, I did Ironman Arizona in 2021. Yeah. I was four months postpartum and then I got hit by a car. And then when I did Texas last year, I was only nine months postpartum and I got really, really sick two weeks beforehand. And then Kona this year, last year, I got really, really sick about two and a half weeks beforehand. So it's just, and then Arizona last year, I was really sick the week of the race. It's just like all these things. So finally feeling good, not sick, knock on all the wood and fingers crossed and throw the salt over your shoulder or whatever those superstitions are. Feeling good, excited, ready to race. I know before Oceanside, you were saying that you felt a little bit like you didn't belong in the field. How have you kind of dealt with that in the past few weeks? And are you feeling better and more like you belong to be there and to be competitive going into Ironman Texas? That's a great question. Um, I, I definitely think that imposter syndrome piece is just still there. It definitely like crops up every once in a while. Um, when it just, 
thinking like watching, I hate to say like watching social media or sometimes listening to, um, I love the pro try news podcast. However, sometimes I want to strangle all of them because I don't think it's fair to say like, Oh, the other people don't matter when you know what, some of us are just trying to get in there and get our start going. Um, just because we're not the top five at the moment doesn't mean we don't matter. Um, but I also, at the same time, really, I think the pieces that I really did is I, I really focused on what went really well at Oceanside. And so I kind of just, the idea of like celebrating almost, instead of looking at the things that didn't, didn't go well and over-focusing and over-analyzing on those pieces, I decided to reframe that and really look at the pieces that did go well. And so, you know, even though I did not compete in the swim, I, I, I had a swim PR, so that I, I looked at that piece of it and I, I really also like look, kind of looked at what happened and the fact that my heart rate never got above a hundred on the bike really, really just showed me again, you just couldn't bike even remotely bike to your potential that day. I just couldn't, my body was not responding well to being cold and it didn't matter whether I was going to be first or last. It didn't matter. My body wasn't responding. And so that helped to put into perspective, like, yeah, maybe you just had a really bad bike and it's just the way that it is. So you can't take that and look at that as from an angle of you suck and you can't race with these girls, but instead look at it as, okay, it was an anomaly. It was a day. It was something that happened and there's nothing you could do to control that at the moment because of the decisions you made on that day. Um, and then really looking at my run and saying, you know, I had the ninth fastest run and coming off of really having a pretty mediocre bike and, and, and my body only responding until about mile two to three of the run and still had the ninth fastest run in a field of very strong runners. Um, and so that, you know, that kind of gave me a little bit of confidence there and, you know, just reminding myself that, yeah, even though it wasn't what you wanted, you still came in the top 12 in a really hard field. So are you where you want to be yet? No. Are you working hard towards it? Yes. And that really has helped just kind of ground myself in being who I am and remembering that, yeah, you're a work in progress. The other piece that I really did that hasn't really helped was I, I one, I just completely let go of Oceanside. Just you know, after I kind of rehashed it, talked about it with the people that I cared about and, and even sharing here on this podcast, um, helped and then let go of it and just moved on from it. And it's just, it was a race. I got a really good stimulus from it. It was a great training day. I learned a lot and that's it. Move on. No, it's not worth thinking about. It was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Does no bearing on what's going to happen in Ironman, Texas. And by letting go of just focusing on being very intentional and present with the training that I'm doing and letting, and, and what that will do for me for Ironman Texas, because there's no point in worrying about something that happened already. And I need to focus on what I'm going to do moving forward. Um, exactly. So those are some of the big things I did. The last piece that I really have been doing is I basically been like journaling every morning like affirm, not, you call them affirmations, power statements. I don't know. I, but it's just telling myself I do a mixture of gratitude, three things I'm grateful for, four things that I'm excited about, and some affirmations of like 
grounding me in what I want to achieve and telling myself I'm already going to achieve this. I will be this person and putting kind of a very present and intentional stance on who I am as an athlete and what I want to achieve at Texas. And that's been, that's one I'm for me, that's always something that's super powerful because it's a great way of telling myself that this is something that you need to do. You're going to do that. Not that you need to do it, but that you will do it. And this is who you are. And I mean, I even find myself saying it sometimes in the swim lately or in on, on the bike, like just repeating some of these phrases myself. So yeah, hopefully it works. Awesome. And then one more question I have, cause I'm curious. I know before Oceanside, you looked at the start list and it was almost it was exciting, but also almost a little intimidating. Are you looking at the start list before Texas? Have you looked at the start list? Um, I did look at this. I did look at the start list. I looked at the start list for that and for St. George that's coming up. But this time I looked at it just to look at it. And I literally like glanced at it and I said, okay, cool. That's what it is. And um, moved on from it. And just did not, I haven't really thought much about it. Um, and that, and that's about it. So I kind of looked out to know who was going to be there. Um, you know, there's definitely some really powerful, you know, there's some really great athletes there that I'm, and, but this time I'm telling myself that I'm excited to race with these women rather than I'm afraid to race with these women, but I'm excited to race with them. And, um, I'm really trying hard to like only focus on that. Um, and think that's gonna hopefully make a huge difference. I think difference. that's definitely the right attitude to have about it. So I'm excited for you. I'll definitely be following all day on the tracker and can't wait to see how you do. Thanks. Yeah, no, it should be a lot of fun. Um, like I said, I like this course. Suppose, fingers crossed, it's looking like it's gonna be a beautiful day out there. Um, yeah, so far. Let's just hope that there's not as much wind as there was, was last so year. Windy. That's, I look back and I'm like, Ooh. I'd like to think if I had a power meter, maybe I would have been smarter on the bike when it have burnt my legs out as much. <laughs> but. Yeah, I definitely think that's something that caused a big issue for me last year too. I totally like busted that first, like the going out into the wind and just blew through my muscular glycogen and completely bonked. Like there was no way I was going to be replenishing the amount of fuel that I was probably utilizing. So windy. And you look at the times from that oh. day. I mean, I think a lot of people had that issue. They did. Yeah. Most people were, um, you know, anywhere from, you know, especially for age groupers were anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes slow. I know I was about 20 minutes slow from where I wanted to be. And, um, yeah, it just meant that I was out there longer, which means that I made the run harder, right? <laughs> Those are all pieces that can really like triathlons, like a big, like domino effect. If you're on the bike longer then the run could get harder or, you know, a lot of those things. So yeah, it's looking like it's going to be a beautiful day. I'm excited. Um, water temperature is like 69, but they should have some really hot days leading up to it. Um, the cutoff for pros is 72 for wetsuit legal. So we'll see. Could warm up quickly. Could not. It's a really shallow lake. So um, we'll see what it's going to be. But yeah, should be a lot of fun. We're excited. I'm excited for you. Cool thing is 
Sky, Skyler knows that we're going for a race and he he actually has been telling me that he's been lately talking about this story. He's like, at your race, mommy, I put my, I put my hand out while you were running and you, you high-fived me. And then I said, go mommy, go. I was like, Oh, it's so much fun. (laughs) You better be looking for him to give him a high five. I know I'm definitely going to have to. And Baylor actually will be a lot more um, understanding of this one. I look back at, in fact, just posted on, on social media today that, I had a picture of him at the finish line. He was so he tiny. Was so small. I remember him at that <laughs> he finish was line. So tiny. He's not. Yep, he was there. He was so tiny. Yeah. He, but he's a lot bigger now. He definitely is not tiny anymore. No, that's Silly a big little boy. guy. So awesome. Yes, he is. Oh man, he's just getting so big so fast. I can't even. I can't keep up <laughs> with him or Skylar. Honestly, they are wild children. That is for sure. Be good to move to Arizona, and then I can just like shoo yeah. them outside. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, um, we have a couple of questions today, and one um, is from Blake. Um, and he had a question about two transition races. So this kind of is great because we're both doing St. George coming up. Um, Aaron just decided <laughs> to race St. George here. <laughs> and um, you always know being a coach is funny. You'll get like the most random types of messages like from Aaron the other day at eight <laughs> o'clock at night. <laughs> Should I do St. George? <laughs> It's all, it's only like two weeks away or three weeks away or whatever. <laughs> Sounded yeah, fun. Sure, I don't know. I was like, I just, I've been wanting to race. I think for Oceanside for me, it was, um, I executed far from the way I wanted to execute, but I was still, yeah. um, like there were still a lot of positives from the race and I was still able to compete at a pretty high level there. Um, and I think, so I kind of want to race and focus on the execution, even though I won't be resting for this one, I still know I can execute better. Um, and then on top of that, last time I did St. George, I was concussed and I kind of like the idea of doing a course I've done before and just trying to do better and found out Kayla was racing and my friend Chelsea's racing <laughs> And my boyfriend has a drill weekend for the army, so he won't be around. And I was like, you know what? F it. Let's see if Kayla thinks it's okay if I race. So we're doing it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I think the piece, the reason I was okay with it was twofold. One, it's really different. And this actually, before we get into Blake's question, this is actually a question that somebody else has kind of like posed to us before is how many times should you race? And... I, I, it really kind of depends on the person more than anything. Some people require a large amount of recovery after a race. I think you have to learn and understand like what it is that you, you know, what you can do and what a race is going to do to you from a stimulus standpoint and, you know, fatigue standpoint and just overall, even emotional. I think you got to take into place like emotions and everything into it as well. For me, I like to race. I mean, I'm racing three times in six weeks or something like that. Um, I like to do blocks where I race three to four times in a span of like eight weeks. And then I take like a six week to eight week break and then I do it again. Um, 
I like, I, I get a really good stimulus from racing. It gets me excited. Um, I recover very well from racing. Um, and so I, I have the ability to do that, but not everybody can do that. And I think the reason, again, the reason I was saying yes to this for Aaron was twofold. One, she was excited about it. And that's very important. And two, I know that the race experience and the stimulation that we, and the adaptation that we can get from a big training day like that in an Ironman build can be really powerful for her. And so kind of just depends on you as the athlete, um, what, you know, how often you can race and the type of racing that, that you're doing. You know, if you're someone who's only has the ability to train like an average of 10 to 13 ish hours a week and you have an eight to five job and a lot of life stress. Like it's very hard to race a lot unless you're doing like sprints and Olympics, which you can kind of back up a lot um, just because you're not getting the overall type of volume throughout the, you know, kind of all over the time. But if you're someone who, um, you know, professional triathlete um, or an elite age grouper who has a very you know flexible schedule like you, Aaron, and, and can train like for you, we, we average 15 to 18 hours a week for you your body is more adapted to high volume from a stance that it can handle big intense days. And in fact, in an Ironman build, we would have done a day like that anyways, just a training day. And I'm super excited. So, and But I like that you're excited, excited about it. With that being said too, that like, I don't know if I'm someone who likes to race a lot or not. So I kind of just play it by ear. Like after Kona last year, I didn't, I needed a break. I was signed up for a race and I did it and I did not enjoy it. So like this year I will, if I qualify for Kona, I will not sign up. I'm not planning on signing up for another race. And if I feel like doing one, I'll find a race that's still open after, but right. Like it just kind of depends. <laughs> like you just got to go with your emotions sometimes. And that's what I'm doing it with this one. Yes. And I think that's a, you know, I, I like how you, because that's a big, right? Kona is a huge emotional race too. And that can do different things for everybody, whether, and it's also at the end of the year, right? Where you've been, maybe you've already raced anywhere from two to six times, potentially, depending on, you know, your schedule, you've put in hours and hours and hours of training oftentimes that's a good time frame to have it be the end of the season. And then it just really comes down to, do I want to race again or not? Like you'll see a lot of professionals, they don't necessarily plan on the late season race, but maybe they get done with Kona and they're feeling good. They had, maybe they had a good Kona, maybe they had a bad Kona and you don't know, but they're feeling really good and they want to continue racing. They want to kind of ride that fitness. Um, but then there's other people in general, age groupers, professionals, doesn't matter who you need that break at the end. Yeah. So I think listening to your emotions and your mental state is almost even more important than listening to your physical state. I agree. Anyway, to transition, St. George has one of those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two transitions. Um, so basically, Blake was asking, um, he says he signed up for 70.3 this summer with two transition areas, and he's never raced one like that. Could you share how I prepare for this, what race day will be like with buses, and any tips to make this successful? Um, yeah. So, was St. George the only one that Texas you've done two, two transitions? I can't remember. 
No, people keep saying oh, that. Oh, it's just, um, it's just Texas because you have not. to walk the mile I think everybody from get... the transition to the swim start, I think. That's yes. the difference. I think that's why people, yeah, they get really confused uh, on it. No, I think um, St. George is the right, only one. Yeah, I think St. George. There's not a ton. Um, I think it's helpful just to pay attention to the map kind of just get a sense of things and then maybe just provide yourself extra time to eliminate stress. You might not need it in the morning, but at the end of the day, being having an extra 30 minutes of less sleep, isn't going to make as much of a difference as the stress it may cause. If you're really worried about the bus running late or anything. Um, I think, Oh, this is my one tip. Know where you're going to park before that morning. Um, like know exactly where the bus stops yes, and where you're going to park your car to catch the bus. Um, yeah. I think that can really eliminate stress yeah. race morning and help you stick to your timeline a little bit more. I agree. I often find like with St. George specifically uh, that I'm more stressed the day before because you have like with two transitions that are really far apart, like they are at St. George. So like for those of you that have never raced St. George, you, the swim and T1 are at Sand Hollow, which is about a 30 to 40 minute, probably 30 minute drive to downtown where transition two and the finish line are. And so the day before you have to drop off your bike at Sand Hollow along with all your bike gear stuff and you have to drop off your run gear stuff at transition two downtown. And I feel like that is just so much driving and like going here and going there. Whereas morning of, for the most part, you just have to catch the bus and that's not quite as, quite as stressful, at least for me. Um, but it really just comes down to, I, I think planning, um, giving yourself extra time, being patient. And um, like you said, like really paying attention to course maps, like where things are, et cetera. Um, And just making sure you have all the pieces in your bag. Sometimes when I have two transitions, I put extra stuff into my bags just in case, because you just don't know what's going to happen. Definitely. And usually the volunteers do a really good job of helping you get your stuff into the bag in transition. So like I know at St. George after the swim, at least in October, the volunteers did a really good job of like getting my wetsuit and my capping goggles in my bag and wherever it needed to go for them to transport it back to the race finish line. Yeah. Um, So that you don't have to stress too much about that because I think the volunteers are usually pretty good with that. Yeah, I think that's a good, yeah, they are. Volunteers at the, a lot of these races are just so fabulous. We literally could not do this sport without them. We could not. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it just comes down to planning and just making sure that you're on top of everything. Um, there's, I don't know how many races have double the two transitions. A lot, there's a few, quite a few races that have um, transition in one space, but the swim starts somewhere else, so. Texas, Chattanooga, um, or, uh, I think Oregon 70.3 maybe does. There's quite a few. Um, that's more, again, just about giving yourself plenty of time and 
understanding if there's a bus or if you have to walk, like uh, Texas, you have to walk. If the, at Chattanooga, you get bussed over um, and just really paying attention and giving yourself plenty of space and time for that. Um, and n knowing that, yeah, you might get 30 minutes less of sleep, but the night before sleep is crappy anyways. So. Yeah, I'm weird. I actually get pretty good sleep before the race. That's awesome. <laughs> I have no issues sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you? Oh man. I like wake up every hour afraid that I slept through and well, I did it Oceanside and maybe that's, maybe that's one of the reasons I also had a bad day. I just was so like in my head about it. I woke up like every hour, like afraid that I overslept my alarm. I never oversleep an alarm ever. So I don't know why I would do that. <laughs> and plus my children yeah, wake up but... super early anyways. They're always up at 3 a.m. So <laughs> they're going to wake me up. It doesn't matter. Um, awesome. Okay. So the next question that we had um, was from Sophia. And it's kind of, it's what it's based on like best daily tips she said, your best daily tips as a toddler, mom, or mom to race, train, balance life and training, et cetera. Um, and I kind of want to just, one, we'll kind of chat about, I guess we can, I can chat a little bit about the balancing of the kids, but I think we should just kind of chat about in general, the idea of balance, the idea of training and life and work, right? Because we all, we all do it, right? Aaron, you manage work you know, tr becoming, becoming a coach, training full-time boyfriend, wanting, you know, some social pieces. I have a different side of things. And so, yeah, just kind of chat how we, yeah, our thoughts on balancing it. And if we have any tips or anything, so I'll let you go first. What are your thoughts? Um, can you balance it? You can <laughs> Is definitely that balance it. Um, <laughs> You can balance it. Sometimes you'll have to make sacrifices in some areas of your life. Um, and that's yeah. where you're gonna, you're gonna have to figure out what's at that top of the priority list. Um, and that can change. That can change weekly, um, just depending on where you are in your season too. Um, like mm -hmm. I know after Oceanside, I put just like my social life and my boyfriend above training and it meant I had a couple of workouts that didn't get done, but then like now going into this training block, like training is one of my top priorities and a lot of things are going to have to work around training. Um, and just being very clear on like my priority list and letting others know kind of where my priorities are at that time, I think can be helpful because it just helps people understand you and it takes some of the guilt away from it. Um, but then also I think just creating a schedule and a routine for yourself that you stick to um, most of the time where you're not getting caught up scrolling social media for an extra 30 minutes or letting the Netflix go continually to the next episode. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> having like almost a schedule set. And obviously with kids, I know that schedule does not go according to plan most of the time, but it still gives not always. you some yes. guidelines. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you nailed basically all the points that no matter what, whether you have kids or not kids or work full time or work from home, or you, you kind of, you just nailed all those pieces. It really comes down to one. I mean, I'll be very honest. I don't think there's balance. I don't believe in balance. I don't think you can have balance in your life, but I do think 
that you can have priorities that you choose to make a quote unquote air quotes priority. And that to the point where that feels like balance in the sense that these are the things that you're choosing to make a priority. And if that means something else falls to the wayside, that's your choice. And, you know, so, cause my life is not balanced. I have zero social life, none, but I don't care because I don't need a social life. It's not what I want necessarily. Um, and so, yeah, I think you nailed it. And that's the number one is kind of always thinking about like, what are my top priorities? Is it, you know, family health X, you know, whatever. And then saying, well, what inside each of those pieces is the important part that I need to focus on. And then you do, you create schedule habits, etc., to fit into that, to fit into those pieces. Um, and yeah, sometimes you have yeah. to sacrifice things for specific time frames. Um, like I know for you. And sometimes you have to just throw it out the window. <laughs> like I know for you, I might be speaking for you a little bit, but I can see like family is really important to you. Training's important to you and your business is important to you. And the way I see it, like you try and get all your training yep. and your business stuff done by five o'clock. So the next three hours of your day can be all family time. And I think that's a cool way to do it, to make sure yep. that you're getting all the important things done that you want to get done, done. Yep. Exactly. I mean, that's basically exactly how I, I have it structured. Like I have these, these boxes, so, so to speak, that are my top priorities, my kids, my family, my business, and my training. Those are my top three priorities in life. And I create my schedule to fit those priorities. And what that, you know, means is that when the, for me, when the kids are at daycare, I fit everything I can into that space so that when they come home, I'm a hundred percent with them. And, you know, to the extent that I can be, there are days when things maybe run late or I have to, you know, do something at a later time frame. And that's just the way that it is. Um, but you know, it, it's, again, it's, it's about creating the structure that works for you. And sometimes it doesn't always work. I mean, there's plenty of times where it just gets thrown by the wayside, but I, I really do think that you can be very happy and content when you are picking and choosing the things in your life that are important to you. And that's not to say, again, that's not to say that, you know, I don't have, I don't have friends because I have fabulous friends who are amazing. And, but my social, like, if you look at it from a social standpoint, I get that through training as well at going to races where there's people that I love and care about training rides with people that I'm, you know, hoping, especially now moving to Arizona, that I'll be able to get more of those in training camps with friends or, you know, meeting up with friends at, at races. And so you really just fit the pieces in where you need them to fit into. And yeah, when you choose the things that make you happy, it's a lot easier to be happy. I think. Agreed. Hopefully. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. And this is another question that, um, 
is definitely is geared towards mom life a little bit, but I had a question come in from um, an athlete um, named Aaron and she said, not Aaron that we're talking to right now, but <laughs> different Aaron. Um, she lives in California and she asked what are safe to sl- good workouts during pregnancy to keep up with training. And I put this one in there because um, I train quite a few pregnant athletes and um, I've obviously trained through pregnancy. I have kids, etc. I get this question a lot. And now, number one, I am not a doctor. <laughs> Always consult your medical professional when it comes to anything with pregnancy because it's a very different beast when it comes to anything. Um, I can only share what I've learned through my two pregnancies, what my doctors told me, et cetera. And I'm only sharing, I am not telling you one way to do it, but really it comes down to, for the most part, if long as you are not having any complications or there's nothing that your doctor, your medical professional um, has specifically said that you can or cannot to do, you can pretty much do the same things or anything that you've been doing to the extent that your body can handle it. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's one of those where you have to take that time frame. It's kind of like coming back from an injury, honestly. Like it's a, it's a time frame where you have to really think and be really in tune with how you're feeling, how your body's responding, your energy levels. And also, you know, we talk, just talked about it, what you make a priority and what you want to make a priority as well. Um, and kind of choosing the pieces that, you know, are make you feel very happy and feel whole. And I think that's a great time frame to do it. Because you also, you often have to kind of back off some of the other pieces, like you might not be able to race all the time, or maybe maybe your body can't handle running or anything along those. But so if you choose to do the things that make you feel content, feel strong, feel powerful, then you're doing the best thing for your body. So uh, I trained full time through both pregnancies. I raced a lot when I was pregnant with Skylar. I raced until I was 20 weeks, um, and um, yeah, I just listen to my body. And I think that's the key. Um, like I said, it's kind of like when you're coming back from injury. You really have to listen to yourself. I have not been pregnant yet. Um, but one thing I will say, and I think this goes with a lot of things, is that there's no set timetable for what you should be doing when. I think every woman's going to experience pregnancy Agreed. differently. Um, and I don't think you should look at one person, what one person's doing and be like, oh, crap, they're doing that during pregnancy. Like, I need to be doing that, too. I think you really need to be able to listen to your own body, as you said, and mentally listen to where you're at, because I'm sure pregnancy takes a lot out of you and you might just be exhausted and it might be taking way more out of you than it might be another person. You might have a way harder pregnancy. So it just don't compare yourself to others mm-hmm. during it either. Just listen to your own body. Literally, literally the best advice in the entire world when it comes to training, racing, being pregnant in general. Um, yeah, you said it as best as anybody could possibly say it, Aaron. Um, it, that's exactly correct because everybody responds to things completely different. I mean, there's some, I've seen women that can literally run miles and miles and miles up until the second that they give birth. There's other women that can't at all 
because the body doesn't like to like maybe you, any of those pieces you everybody responds to pregnancy so differently and you respond with each pregnancy differently each one is different there is no right or wrong way to do it um the number one thing that i always like to say when it comes to pregnancy and being mom and stuff is it's, it's your journey and so you get to choose how you want to take it and how you want to, like, for example, how you want to come back from it and come back is not even the best word, but return bounce. I don't like the word bounce back because you're not bouncing back because you're never going to bounce back. You're a completely different person. How you want to return, whether it's to racing, to work, to life, <laughs> you get to choose. And it should, it's not dictated by anybody else. It's dictated by you. And it's a really great time frame to focus on becoming empowered for yourself. And I think that's what pregnancy did for me and becoming mom did for me more than anything was teach me to really stand up for my own values and what I wanted. I wanted to train. I wanted to race. I wanted to return to racing quickly. These were not things that were forced on me. They were things that I chose to do. And by me choosing to do that, that's me standing up for me. And I think that's where you really have to focus is what do you want? And, you know, stand up for that type of thing. Definitely. I agree. Just kind yes. of like in life, yeah. honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> like in life. Um, yeah. So. Awesome. Um, that was our questions for the week. We had a little, um, little, a few of them, maybe a shorter episode today, unless Aaron's or anything else you want to go over, touch on, share with the world. Um, you know, as we get into the start of the season and, um, start to get into full distance Ironmans, I kind of want to talk a little bit about like, for lack of a better term, post-race depression. Um, because yeah. it's something that that is the exact term it's something that it. I've experienced and I think a lot of people do but it's not talked about frequently especially like so after Ironman Texas which was my first full Ironman I had this extreme high for the first like two days after the race I was just super happy mm-hmm. like so proud of myself I had qualified for Kona which is my was my biggest goal of the whole race and then when I got back to Arizona, it was just this period of just like extreme sadness. And like, I didn't know what to do. I just spent the last 16 weeks giving it my all to that training block, only caring about training, only had this goal of qualifying for Kona. And I got back and I was like, now what? Like, what am I supposed to do now? Um, It was just this feeling like I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't have goals I didn't know what the next thing Mm -hmm. was like I knew obviously I was gonna go to Kona but like it just I felt empty um and after Kona was even worse than that a lot because I did suffer concussion and that was a lot of tears even immediately after the race even though I was stoked with my performance like I can talk to my mom the day after she's like you just seemed so out of it and that was a whole nother level of depression (laughs) um (laughs) but I think it's very real Mm -hmm. and I just want people out there to know as they head 
to their race season if they experience this after their race like you're not alone it's not weird you're not you're not alone it's okay like it's not Uh -uh. it doesn't mean you didn't do good or that there's something wrong with you that you can't just be happy with what you did it's just weird to train so much for this one race and all of a sudden for it to be over so I just wanted to mention that because I hadn't really heard it talked Mm -hmm. about much before and it would have been nice to hear about it um before Ironman Texas (laughs) yeah it's very it's very, very common. And I think it's common across the board. Um, like I think maybe sometimes people think like the professionals don't, don't necessarily, um, experience this. And, um, like if you listen to that triathlon life, like Paula Finlay talks about how she's really struggled because she didn't, she struggled with the, with her race. And, um, and it's definitely a very common experience. Um, it's because right. Your, your race is a big high, huge adrenaline boost, huge hormonal boost. It's also extremely depleting. Um, you put your body through hell and then it maybe for a lot of people, like, you know, not even if we take like for you or you qualify for Kona, a lot of people, maybe that's their one big race for the year. And then it's like, okay, now what? Well, now what do I do? You know, I, like you said, I spent all this time. Um, and you know, so there's a, there's a couple of, couple of things, you know, I think it's important. One, it's always important to know that your goals are never ending. Mm -hmm. And that's always been something for me. Like I've never had this post-race blues. And I think it has a big piece to do with one, who I am as a person. And two, I never believed that my goals were ending. So I've never had the what now, because I've always just been like, okay, I accomplished that. What now? Like, I am excited for what's next. Like, what else can I do? Where else can I go? Like that, that's just me personally. So if you can kind of try to find a way, doesn't mean that you're going to be that way. Right. But if you can think about it from a, 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 how do I get excited and more along the lines of, okay, I accomplished this. So maybe what excites me? Setting the new goal, looking towards the next race. There is nothing wrong with putting another race on the schedule, even if it's a a 10K or a half marathon, putting something on the schedule to kind of like reinvigorate that that, that discipline or that excitement. Um, And that's a big piece. The other piece is, is during that time frame, that especially that week off, it's one of the main reasons for almost all my athletes. I always give a completely unstructured week for sure. Always minimum one unstructured week after a full Ironman. Um, because you need space to be right. You need space to lay in bed. You need space to watch Netflix for hours, to go to, to, be social to put other things first, not think about the race. You just need space. Um, and so that, you know, that's a piece where when you can kind of really allow yourself that space, um, that can also really help um, kind of mitigate that, that feeling where, okay, now what do I do? I'm not training. I, you know, I don't totally know where, where to go. Um, but I really think a lot of times the, biggest thing that happens is we get really caught up in the idea of, Oh, I achieved the goal. So I'm done. But 
there's always something else you can do. And it doesn't mean that you're always having to have to reach for something new, right? doesn't mean you always have to be doing that next thing, but maybe it just means that, okay, I completed that full Ironman. I loved the distance. So now I want to pick a new one and I want to try to have the fastest bike I can ever have in it. And that's my new goal. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it has to be like, oh, I took 10th. Now I have to take fifth. Like it, you can get creative, get excited, get, get, curious about it. And when you ground yourself in that curiosity, it helps mitigate those pieces. Um, and the last piece is, is, is honor those feelings, right? Honor them. If you're feeling sad, if you're feeling frustrated, honor those feelings because they're valid and they're, they're really real. Um, what helped you the most to kind of bounce through some of those pieces? Um, I think part of it, I know we talked about the goal. I know we talked about the goal thing because I was like, yeah. what do you mean what's next? You're going to go fucking crush and Kona. That's what's next. <laughs> a lot of it was talking to you and redeveloping the process goals along with the outcome goals. So I think the most powerful thing that I've worked on with you is mm -hmm. making like 80% of my goals process goals and things I want to achieve in training and life leading up yeah. to the race. And then my race goals like 20% of it. Um, but just reestablishing those goals, yeah. and giving myself something to look forward to accomplishing and training over the next few months and knowing like tr the training aspects not over because I truly do love the training as well. So creating those goals helps. Um, but then just surrounding myself with friends and realizing like, Oh, I can have fun outside the sport too. Like, let's go out. Like, let's yeah. have fun. Um, and then I know mm -hmm. when it's time to celebrate, train right? Celebrate the yeah. accomplishment. Celebrate the accomplishment. So often we get so caught up in, even when it goes well, like what didn't go well, like our first, our first instinct is to be like, if somebody praises us, we'd be like, oh, thank you. But yeah, it was just, you know, that run didn't go well or whatever. But we, our first instinct needs to be celebrating. And when we can focus on celebrating, it helps tamp down that, that, that hormonal piece that's, that's not going to be super happy with us. What I really liked what you just said in that was kind of the idea of like focusing your, on your process and that you were like, oh yeah, you grounded yourself in, I love training. I love this sport. So it kind of goes back to creating space for your why. And more importantly, this is going to sound like a weird statement, but the why beneath the why. Meaning, right, we, we do something because of X. But we always do X because of something else. There's always something deeper in there. And it's that deeper piece that is usually the thing that keeps us going. And when you're starting to kind of feel that way, it's turning to that, um, you know, can be even, you know, more important. And you know, people go, well, what if my why was to qualify for Kona? It's like, well, again, maybe that's your why, but that's not why, <laughs> hence the, like the inflection, why you do something. You're not doing it just to qualify for Kona. You didn't get into the sport to qualify for Kona. You got into the sport for something else. And there you focus deeper into that. And then you start to be able to tease out other goals, other process, other effort related aspects that you can get curious about and get excited about. 
and um, then it becomes easier to move past, you know, disappoint either whether it be disappointment or not disappointment, it's just gets easier to move past it. Um, like you said, to have fun with it and get more excited about it. Because um, it does happen, you know. Post race blues are huge, and I see them with athletes a lot. And there's some athletes that I know. I have a couple athletes I know when they have a big race, I have to give them a month. They need a month. They need a full week off. They need a really easy week. And then they need two more weeks of like where we put in maybe option sessions or we say, let's, we're going to put a flex day in there every day. Like we, we have to really, we get creative with their week. Um, and so I think that's the important piece is have people have a support system. Like you said, have people in your corner your coach, your family, your friends that you can talk to, to help you work through some of these pieces. Um, because they're the ones that care for you. They want you to succeed. They want you to get excited about it. I know for me, I, I want my athletes to continue in the sport because I love the sport. I know they do too. I'm going to do everything I can to help them create space in that time frame to keep them active, keep them moving, and to keep them excited about the sport in whatever way that it comes to. Use your support system. For it sure. helps. Can't do it Definitely alone. Definitely not. <laughs> this sport has too much emotion to be able to do alone. <laughs> Way too much emotion. <laughs> There's so much emotion in this sport. Uh, you know, it's such it's such a singular sport, but you literally, but it's not at the same time. Like, yeah, you as the athlete, you're the one out there, but it's 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 so much more than that. I mean, like, I could not do this sport if it wasn't for you know my husband supporting me, my mom and dad. Like, they are my number one, when they come to so many of my races, now they help watch the kids or they, they cheer me on. They, my dad yells at me to go faster, (laughs) you know, and since becoming a coach, like my athletes are a huge part of my system. Like I couldn't do this sport without you guys because you motivate me to be better. I want to do well. I want to perform because I want you guys to be proud of me. And I want to make you guys right. Like your team is amazing. The Trace Penis group like stepped up and supported me as a professional. They've been there since day one for me. Like I just, your team, it's amazing. The, the people behind you help make this sport. And, you know, I think if you find the right team, it's amazing what you can do more than just doing it on your own, even though you're the one out there <laughs> suffering. <laughs> Definitely. Though if you ask any spectator, <laughs> they will say that it's just as hard <laughs> to spectate an entire day. I think you said that, didn't you say that too? After like, uh, yeah, I had twenty six miles on my feet, <laughs> like just walking to cheer for her. That you were so exhausted, tired. and like constantly refreshing the Ironman tracker app to try and find out where she was, and trying to run to catch up with her and. You're like, mom, you got to go faster. Come on. Like, you got this. And then, like, just figuring out the right way to cheer for her. Because, like, she was really crabby after the swim. And I was like, I don't know. Right? 
<laughs> but then she killed it. She crushed that race. But... <laughs> oh. Well, she did. Well, I remember. I just remember. I remember one of my favorite memories of Ironman Arizona last year was when we were on like that back portion, kind of over by the apartments, um, like the star or something, or I don't know if that's right. And I just remember you sprinting. <laughs> sprinting down the side <laughs> yelling at me <laughs> and I remember thinking in that moment Erin can no longer tell me that she can't run fast because <laughs> she is sprinting <laughs> sprinting yeah down but you were at mile 18 and I was in an all-out sprint so I don't know I was like this is if true. I can't keep up with you now what am I doing <laughs> Oh yeah, that was exhausting. That was a really hard sprint. But hey, that's <laughs> I just remember that though. Like but yeah, your team is very important no matter who it entails. It's it it makes or break it and they can help with that post-race piece. So awesome. All right. Well, I have to go pick up the kids from daycare. It's just nice enough out that I think they'll be able to ride their bikes home. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And yeah. What do you got going on the rest of this week? Yeah. Training? Anything uh, exciting? Headed to California later this week. Got it. Um, so I don't think I told you that. I don't think I told you that. So, um, nice. Yeah. I can't, um, I can't remember. Just, yeah. I can't um, remember if you did or not. My friend has some work <laughs> down there, so just going with him and should be a lot of fun. Um, gonna bring my bike and stuff, and we'll still Perfect. get my training in. Really looking forward to. I've got a four-hour ride this week that I'm looking forward to, and I think a two-hour run. So starting to really get into that Ironman volume training, and really excited yep. about it. So I just, I just love being in that zone. Just you find so much like peace within yourself I guess yeah no maybe I'm crazy probably a little bit of both you do you really do (laughs) probably a little bit of crazy there's definitely some crazy in there um but that is a long course athlete for you like there's just that zone that you can get into and that space where you're pushing yourself but you're also in like this very serene quiet I don't know yeah so Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for following along and we will chat with you next week with a post Ironman Texas (laughs) recap. So bye guys. Stay tuned. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Bye everyone.